Welcome to the Henslo Innovator Series, where we sit down with the founders and CEOs of some of Australia's most exciting emerging companies to talk about their story, growth ambitions, and lessons that they've learned along the way. I'm Alexis Hancock, and today I'm joined by Nick Sims, co-founder and director of The Card Network. Thanks, Alexis. Great to be here. Nick founded Edge Loyalty in 2006, which he then sold to Village Roadshow Group in 2012. He then went on to be the global CEO of Village Roadshow's marketing solutions division. And then in 2019, he went to partnership again with Richard Hewitt to create what is now Australia's dominant gift card provider, The Card Network. All right, so we're going to start things off with a bit of an icebreaker question. So not thinking about a TCN gift card, what would be your go-to gift? Good question. I'm so focused on gift cards, it's hard yep. to think about <laughs> anything other than gift cards. But my go-to gift would probably be a book. A book? Yeah, I love books. I like reading. So yeah. I'm pretty... What genre? I only read <laughs> business books. Yeah, what's your favourite uh, business book? My favourite business book of all time is a book by Sam Walton, who yep. was the founder of Walmart. Okay. It's called Made in America, mm-hmm. and it's the history of Walmart, told by Sam. Yep. And it was told by Sam almost on his deathbed, so he died like six months after publishing the book. Wow. Um, and it's it's one of the best business books of all time because Sam's such an amazing businessman. Yeah. Number one, number one in my book by, by, by a long way, and I've gifted it a lot. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, there you go. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, no, I really like that. Have you read the Nike one? I love Shoe Dog as well. How amazing is Shoe Dog? Shoe Dog's in my top five. Yeah, Yeah. Shoe Dog's amazing. It's a great great story. And I mean, anyone that's an entrepreneur started a business Mm. can relate to the challenges that they went through. Nike probably shouldn't exist, right? Like it's pretty nuts when you read the story of what what they battled. So we started TCM with a Phil Knight quote, actually, which was the cowards never started and the weak died along the way. I like but that. But that leaves us. And, you know, so Nike is an amazing story of, mm. you know, um, persistence. Mm. And we, we try to use that as inspiration at the start of TCN. Yeah, no, that's really great. So talking about the challenges that Phil Knight obviously had when he created Nike, what do you reckon some of the biggest challenges were when you created TCN? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, there was, I don't know if there was like one mountain challenge, but there yeah. was lots of little ones. I think for any sort of small business from the start, cash flow is important and you know, one of the biggest challenges that you face. We were lucky in a few senses. One, we had a great team from the start that we knew really well and were very loyal to us. So we didn't have the challenge of trying to hire talent, but I know that is normally a pretty common challenge for most startups. Yeah. So we were lucky there. So then it sort of moved to cash flow. So we tried to resolve that as best we can. And we came up with a financial model where we were always pretty cash flow positive. Mm -hmm. That was probably an early challenge. I think the biggest challenge post that was we were growing pretty quick, but we did have a big competitor on our back the whole time. Yeah. And dealing with those and not trying to lose sight of the day-to-day was important Mm -hmm. because it's easy to get distracted by competition. Yeah. And I think the biggest challenge is just, you know, staying focused on your own business. There was times where we were challenged and could have easily been distracted. And the way to deal with it was we just kept focusing on what we were doing and what we could do better and what we could do better for our customers. So Mm -hmm. the sort of constant challenges of external pressures is probably yeah. the biggest single challenge, but it was a um, combination of lots of little challenges. Yeah, I can imagine. And like since TCN really only started, I think it was September 2019, so just three years ago, did you and Richard, your business partner, anticipate for such huge levels of growth and scale? Probably not as much as happened. You know, we were obviously, like most entrepreneurs, I suppose, at the start of the business, bullish. And well, you have to be. Yeah, exactly. Right? You yeah. have to believe in, believe in the product, believe in the story, believe in the people. That's right. You know, yeah. and so you put all your forecasts 
glass down on paper and you're, you're trying to sell the story a little bit and, and you're obviously naturally ambitious and the mentality of most entrepreneurs tends to be a little bit optimistic anyway. Yeah. You know, we always had a dream that was going to be big and we grow quickly and then we'd establish market share like we did. Mm. You know, it's gone pretty much to plan and probably has exceeded our expectations a lot of ways. So mm. I'm not going to say we're surprised, but, you know, we're certainly thrilled with the sort of growth we've seen and, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to predict, you know, so we didn't know what COVID was going to do, but in a lot of ways we feel like it's helped the business and helped grow us quicker. But who would have thought that COVID would help a gifting business? You can't anticipate everything that's going to be put in front of you, but most of the time you can find a positive way of looking at it and, and, and making it positive for the business. Yeah. Well, I mean, I certainly see TCN as a very successful business. I think what you and Richard have created has been absolutely fantastic. I just want to touch on, I guess, what you see as success and do you think a bit of timing and luck played into that or do you think it's all hard work? There's an old quote, I forget which golfer it was, might be Lee Trevino. He has a quote, which is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. And, and we sort of subscribe to that I like that. <laughs> that theory. Yeah. You make your own luck, but it normally comes from hard work. We, we were fortunate for sure. Like things fell our way in lots of different ways, internal and external. We saw very little staff turnover. There was a lot of external issues that impacted our competitors that didn't impact us. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate in lots of ways. You know, our time was perfect for, you know, what the market wanted and we read that right. But yeah, it, I mean, without doubt, like we worked hard and it was, you know, long hours and a real grind and, and, and times when, you know, you start to wonder. Is it going to be all worth it? Yeah. But yeah, for sure, it's a bit of a combination. I mean, there's no way you just get lucky, right? Like, you know, it's a grind first and foremost, and you have to work constantly to make it a success. But you do need a few things to go your way. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes that can help accelerate the growth. Yeah, first and foremost, it's all the the grunt work. And I think just on on one point you said before, I mean, it was, it's, Richard and I were the founders, but yeah. without a doubt, we were a team of, you know, six or seven from the start. Mm-hmm. And then the team that followed those guys as well have contributed massively as well. And the success of the organisation is really the team, you know, it's yeah. not it's not us, it's not me, it's it's 100% about the quality of the work that we had from, you know, critically, you know, people inside the organisation, people with us from day one that, that played their role so well. And the no- the Nike story is not dissimilar, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's the success, you know, yeah. that, that, that and and. To be honest, that sort of makes it all worthwhile too because you look back and realise you did it all together and, and yeah. then everyone played their role. Um, it's a long answer, but it really was, you know, just hard work, but it was not the result of one or two people's hard work. It was the village that made the business a success. Yeah, well, I mean, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know that one, but I like it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we came up with a slogan early, so I'd read a book, Start With Why, you know, mm-hmm. by Simon Sinek, and it was, you got to have a why. Yep. And he uses Apple, and I think Nike is an example, and we knew that Nike had a very successful slogan. I'm thinking, what can we come up with? We're a gifting business. Mm. We were trying to encourage people to gift. We had a, a bit of a motto, which was to try and inspire the way people gift. But we thought, well, that doesn't sort of necessarily resonate for the customer. So how do we twist that? And that's when we came up with it. Be generous. I love that. Thank you. We, we like it too. And, and, <laughs> and it, it sort of became a mantra internally and externally. So the whole notion of business is like be generous and it feels good to gift. Mm. But it also became something we sort of adopted internally in terms of be generous with each other be generous with information, be generous with your work, be generous in helping each other and be generous with the community. You know, So we took on different charities, mm. um, try to raise a lot of money for the National Breast Cancer Foundation and try to subscribe the whole theory, hey, you know, we, we, it's good to be generous. So that, that sort of became the way we sort of tried to operate the business as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it really sounds like you fostered a very people-centric culture, which I think is so important to any successful business and the reason why so many good businesses flourish is because of the people. How do you promote 
such an awesome culture? What does management do to foster this? Yeah, I mean, we, we were a bit lucky there in that we did start with a great team, people mm. that we knew and that we trusted and were a cultural fit from day one. Yeah, I use an analogy. It's a bit like the private school that uses the house system and, and yeah. you try and encourage the students to, to lead the culture, not yeah. the teachers. Whenever yeah. you've got like a teacher-led culture, it never works. The best cultures in most of the you know, really great schools is pupil-led mm-hmm. where, where the, you know, the, the older kids will try and set the right example and, the, and you build the culture that way. and. Yeah. and and that, that's where you get the best outcome. And it's a bit the same for us. From It's got to be staff-led. There's no point me just trying to drive the culture. It's got to come from the whole team and, and the people that have been from the business from day one set the tone and, and what we expect of each other, mm. how we treat each other, how we behave, how hard we work and, you know, and how we respect everyone's work. It's got to be team-led. And so we then try and encourage lots of different team activities yeah. where the different teams will put on the activity and organise the event and, cool. you know, go to a bit of trouble of, you know, making a great event mm. and, and sometimes trying to outdo the previous one. Yeah. I probably swam upstream a little bit in that. I felt it was important to try and get the team back in the office as much as possible. Yeah. And it's certainly good to have a balance and, you know, people can be very productive from home. But I also feel like culture is important when you're all together Mm. and you're sharing information and collaborating and some of those sort of side coffee type conversations are sometimes critical as well. Well, they create relationships. 100%. They strengthen relationships and humans. We're social beings. That's it, you know. And and I I feel like people want to come in. They they Mm. want to belong to something like that. And that's how they learn too. Like they're, you know, around the other staff members, they can understand what's going on more broadly. So I feel like it's important to get people back in the office as, as quickly as possible, as much as possible. And, mm. and there is certainly going to be a balance moving forward, but I feel like that was a bit of a success for us as well. And and you'd normally have a pretty good idea of culture by how many people do want to come back as you know, yeah. and how often and not have to force it either, you know. So yeah. I feel like we've been focused on that a little bit as well and it's been successful also. Yeah. And put on a nice office environment helps. <laughs> I'm sure you guys do. All right, so I really want to just like wind back to when your career first started. I know that you started Edge, I think, in, is it 2004 or 2006? Yeah. Uh, around then. Yes, yeah, something like that. I yeah. can't remember then, but yeah. yeah, 2006 maybe, yeah. Yeah, so th- I guess that was really really before entrepreneurship was considered cool. Just what made you, business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What made you really take that first step and take that risk? It's a really good question. I'm probably the sort of person that has his own ideas and you know wants to do his own thing. Yeah. Don't normally take direction well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not a great employee. Yeah. Um, and my business partner, Richard, is a bit the same. So yeah. I, f- I feel like the timing back then was just right as well. We could see this opportunity. We weren't 100% sure when we launched how it might play out. Mm. When we launched TCM, we had a very specific specific vision for what we we're going to do and a specific market we were going to go straight after. Edge was a little bit more organic. You know, we, we had this idea. We, we had a couple of clients that enabled us to sort of get some cash in the door, enabled us to then sort of look for new business channels and then grow from there. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was just the idea of trying to do it myself or do it ourselves, you know, without too much friction. We had a, we did have a business partner back then that owned a percentage of the business that was a pretty big organisation that also yeah. made it a bit easier as well. They took so care of- So there were three of you? Yeah, there was myself, Richard Edge? and- Back then, we're in business with Cleminger, the yep. agency yep. group. Yep, yep, yep. And so being part of that network was obviously super beneficial. Yeah. Um, they gave us a lot of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, we could work out of their offices. We had access to their network. They took care of things like payroll and, and legal stuff for us, made yeah. it easier as a founder to really just focus on running the business. I can imagine. And so I think it was just the idea of trying to create something new, to, to look for a new opportunity, to innovate, and also then, you know, not just to go in every day and, and, and be an employee, but try and do something where we, we could be in control of our own destiny. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the sort of core motive. 
motivation. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then from Edge, where'd you go next? After about running Edge, I can't remember how many years now, it might have been six or seven years quite successfully with Clemenger. Yeah. Again, it sort of got to the point where it started to look like, you know, the business was going to attract interest. And so we got acquired by Village Roadshow, mm-hmm. um, the entertainment group. Yeah. Uh, sold to Village. Ended up staying on for quite a while and, and yep. helping the business transition, but also sort of saw other opportunities with Village. I stayed there as an exec for a while mm-hmm. and then realised sort of that there was going to be another opportunity, could see this new market for TCN, and that's when we sort of you know launched TCN. So yep. left Village went and set up TCN. That's sort yep. of the, the, the new story. But, mm. you know, working inside a massive organisation, Village was really helpful as well. You, you know, sort of trained me in terms of some of the disciplines that you need to have for, you know, reporting and management meetings mm. and sort of everything that came with sort of sitting underneath a public company and the yep. discipline you've got to have. So that sort of set us up so that by the time we sort of had that mindset of, well, this is this is the way a big public listed company has to operate, we took that mindset to, you know, to, to running TCN. And so mm-hmm. even though it was always a small business, yeah. um, we had a big company mindset. Goliath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goliath yeah. mindset. That's it. I like it. So you and Richard have obviously started and sold two businesses. Yeah. I can imagine for someone that's trying to start their own business, finding a business partner that actually works with you and you guys have a lot of synergies together can be quite hard and like how do you trust someone you know like that how did this partnership come about Richard and I met working for a smaller business that got acquired by Cleminger yeah Richard was actually working for Village as well um, post that and then we had a a similar vision on sort of one part of the business it's just how we then came together to start Edge Mm -hmm. but it, it is hard like I said before you know the the success of TCN's really been not just myself and Richard, but the broader team that we had with us from the start. You know, we've yeah. got some absolutely critical staff members that played their key roles, and you do need that balance from the start because mm-hmm. as a founder, you can't be good at everything. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm not good at a lot of stuff, but I, I think it's a bit the same as what Clevenger enabled me to do by having some time to just focus on the things that you're really good at as, yeah. as a founder is key. I'm not good at bookkeeping or administration or anything yeah. like that, but if I can get somebody else to sort of- Who is good? Who is good yeah. at and, and can relieve me of all of that pressure and stress. Yeah. And I can focus all of my time and the stuff where I can generate revenue or focus on new business ideas mm-hmm. or product ideas. That's the ultimate success of the business. So yeah. I do think you need to find a balance in, um, you know, making sure that you've got all of the time available, as much time available, focusing on the stuff that's going to be most important to the business. And for most founders, that is product innovation and focusing on what the customer needs are. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, I've been fortunate to have that right balance on, on in all of the partnerships I've had and it's beyond just your, your co-founder normally it's normally that team. immediate team as yeah. well and everybody there that plays their role to support you in making sure you play your role as best you can as, as the key driving entrepreneur yeah I think we might wrap things up with one final question okay here we go so if you could be mentored by anyone past present or future no just past or present <laughs> yeah who would it be and why it probably goes back to your first question about the books because yeah. um, my all-time hero is sam walton yeah founder of walmart and um everyone knows walmart for but so sam in certainly in australia you, you sort of mentioned the name not many people know his name yeah the story is amazing right like he started walmart well he started a business like walmart and then ended up having to leave that business because the guy that owned the store the actual mm. physical store wanted to give it to his son yeah so he 
he had to leave. He moved towns. He sets up in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is like a tiny little town, like 10,000 people, starts a wow. Walmart. And then yeah. over 10 years, builds builds up Walmart slowly. There wasn't like an immediate success. Ends up like head of the largest retail network in the world, created, you know, billions and billions of wealth, yeah. but always shared it with his staff. Um, yeah. He talks about his staff as being his associates, mm, was always very like generous that. with them, would physically go and visit stores daily. Like he had a little light aircraft that he would fly himself from You're city. Kidding. No, no, he would, wow. he, he would fly himself from city to city. And Walmart was set up in lots of little towns to start off with. So he was mm-hmm. literally like flying from his home to Bendigo and then he would land yep. in Bendigo and he would go and see the Bendigo Walmart. store. Yep. yep. He would spend an hour there, you know, checking out the store, speaking to the staff. Then he would go back to his plane and he would fly to Echuca and then mm. he would fly and he would do that every day for five days a week. Well, an awesome leader. Yeah, it was yeah. phenomenal, right? But it, but he was also in every single store. Mm. Uh, they knew he was coming. He had a great relationship with all of his staff. They felt personal connection to him mm. and he took it personally, you know. And so he's an amazing role model and success story. And so I love his book. So, yeah, to answer your question, Sam Walmart, number one for sure. That's it, Sam Walmart. There yeah. you go. Sam Walton, yeah, sorry, Walton. but yes. Yeah, <laughs> Yep. Awesome. I think that's all we have time for today, Nick, but I just want to say a big thank you on behalf of Henslow for coming in and talking to us today. Thanks, Alexis. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. 